Hello, everybody. Welcome to Singapore Leo's podcast, a lifestyle podcast covering everything under the sun happening on this big blue ball of ours. So hang back, relax, because here we go. Today, we will be talking about a very important topic, um, which is which should be very close to our hearts, because in the end, it affects us all, and that is climate change. Now, uh, whether you agree or disagree with man-made climate change, uh, there is no doubt that mankind's unsustainable um, deforestation efforts are rapidly exacerbating um, how climate changes, how fast it changes, and how it affects us. So that is going to be the subject of today's podcast. So stay tuned. So I just read a news article today um, about Brazil and how Brazil, obviously, as you know, is home to the largest rainforest known on this planet, the Amazon rainforest. And I just learned today, um, it was reported in one of those wire agencies that uh, the Amazon forest deforestation percentage is in some crazy, uh, crazy numbers, is up by some crazy numbers. Uh, I was reading that um, there was a Reuters article saying that the deforestation rate in the Amazon is up by 51% this uh, in April, and um, and the current regime in Brazil, that of President Bolsonaro, um, is akin to the one in the states, uh, where uh, they are averse to. Um, overarching scientific consensus on this issue, which is that uh, mankind's industrialized development uh, causes um, exacerbated climate change. They are averse to this idea, they don't buy it, their regimes don't buy it, and they implement policies which obviously um, uh, ignore this issue. I mean, a case in point is in the US, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, it has been slowly dismantling environmental controls um, across the board because of President Trump's aversion to climate change, owing to his base and of his political leanings. And Bolsonaro comes from the same lineage, uh, same camp, same political thought process, where um, they look at this large patch of green and say, why can't we industrialize this? Why can't we use it? Why can't we deforested fast enough to for lumber, for farming, for um, monolithic uh, plantations. Um, and, and because of those political leanings, um, uh, Bolsonaro, who, if you remember, was stabbed and got re-elected, uh, is enacting policies which are, um, instead of inhibiting and protecting Instead of inhibiting deforestation and protecting the Amazon rainforest, which is actually a global treasure, not just um, uh, something which uh, Brazil, it just happens to be located in uh, the Brazilian geography, but um, in its borders, but obviously it's an asset to the world. And um, that, that generalized statement aside, the Brazilian rainforest and the ecosystem it supports affects not only the Americas, but of course affects us all because in the end 
forests generate their own um, uh, uh, tropical environments, which then affect how um, how the winds change, how the weather patterns change. So they are interconnected, and the rainforests in Amazon, in the Americas, don't exist in isolation. And but of course, and and that is the issue here, and that is the uh, reason why people like myself, uh, we are. Um, um, in favor of sustainable growth um, and making sure that the environment, of course, needs to be utilized, needs needs to be industrialized, but in a way which is sustainable and we do not do everlasting environmental damage which cannot be recuperated. Now, nature is very resilient. Usually what happens is that if we are if we are able to exist with nature in a paradigm of equilibrium, nature is able to rebirth the um, utilities which we tax and um, is able to reproduce and regrow. But if we, if our pace of industrialization and deforestation uh, is faster than the rejuvenation process of nature, then obviously it's um, a loss, a law of diminishing returns. And that is exactly what we're seeing in Brazil. The logging policy, the deforestation policy, the planting of monolithic crops that is destroying forever uh, the um, Amazon rainforest and obviously destroying um, the flora and fauna of the, the indigenous flora, the pandemic, the indigenous flora and fauna of that region, which of course can never be replaced. I mean, I know we live in a time when human beings are, I mean, this ties into a larger, this ties into a larger uh, issue, in my opinion. Um, I mean, first of all, uh, our population has doubled in the last couple of years, and the population growth is going to continue to rise. Now, this population, this unchecked population growth um, causes problems because you have to feed this population. And that is why, for example, in China, they have those wet markets where they eat everything and anything. Baby pandas, oh, I'm just kidding about baby pandas, but Wolf, uh, wolf pups and snakes and pythons and pangolins and God knows what else. I'm not criticizing the palate of the Chinese market. I'm just saying there is wherever there is going to be demand, there is going to be supply. And with the ever-growing human population, there is going to be a demand for food. And if there is going to be a demand for food and for there is going to be logging, deforestation, exploitation, unsustainable growth. And that is a very vicious cycle. So, but for today's topic, for today's podcast, I'm just going to talk about, uh, we're just going to talk about the deforestation issue and specifically in the Amazon, the largest rainforest on this earth. And this is a stat which floored me. Um, this was on the Reuters agency, the Reuters agency, and they were saying that the number of, and I quote, the number of fires in the Amazon rainforest increased by 30.5% in 2019 from the previous year. And along with that, they say that deforestation in April was 51% higher than that of um, last year. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, I just want to start off uh, this session, this part of the podcast uh, by highlighting um, 
I mean, what are the types of conversations? Con, what, the, what is the type of uh, conservation uh, which we can do? And, and there are a couple of types of activities and segments of conversation act, conservation activity which can be done and, and, and uh, which can help us conserve uh, the flora and fauna of the Amazon and of rainforest in general. One of them is plant-based conversation where you, um, where um, uh, these nurseries of, uh, of endangered species are grown and um, to help stabilize and replant where necessary. And the other is creating sustainable infrastructure. Uh, which means um, uh, putting in place policies, putting in pl- putting in place policies that ensure um, um, the proper uh, availability of um, uh, material and resources for convers- conservation efforts, for replanting efforts, for regrowth efforts to take place, and of course, um, marking specialized. Uh, conservation areas which are a no-go for hunting or for game or for uh, lumber or for uh, deforestation. And um, another key point which uh, can help in the conservation uh, path is making sure that uh, the promotion of bioenergy, of biodegraded, of energy which is um, produced from biological materials is um, is promoted. Now, all of these items cannot um, take effect properly if there isn't a government initiative, if, if there aren't government policies, government enforcement in place uh, to promote that. And that is why um, promoting... Because, you see, we all live in countries. These countries have laws. These laws govern how society behaves. So if you want to be able to have an impact on conservation and to be able to sustain your green and your green areas and your forests, there needs to be a wide-ranging, powerful, impactful um, 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 environmental policy which needs to be in place, which means... Uh, controlling your industrialized areas, controlling your pollution, industrialized pollution, controlling your um, and controlling and enforcing um, uh, recycling policies, and most important of all, uh, ensuring that um, the growth of green and forested areas is part and parcel of the um, societal growth. As cities grow, um, they need to grow in a manner in which. Um, the green is either incorporated inside the building uh, rules or there are enough green spaces uh, in uh, society so uh, uh, you know green can grow and, and, and that, that obviously has a cascading effect on the wildlife, has a cascading effect on um, many aspects of society. I can give you an example. So I lived in um, Riyadh for, in Saudi Arabia for many, many years and also in the Middle East in general. And those countries were aloof. Dubai, perhaps, for for example. Well, Dubai was ahead of its time when it came to forestation and green and protecting the environment because they are a very trade-centric society. Uh, Riyadh and Saudi Arabia in general, uh, the previous regimes who were in power before Crown Crown Prince Mohammed uh, came um, into his position, 
they were not adequately appreciating the value which green spaces and forests bring to the culture of the society and help uh, the country grow in general. And and but recently we've seen a shift. I mean, in Riyadh and Saudi Arabia in general, there has been a push for more green and protection of forested areas, uh, hunting licenses, etc. Same thing in Dubai. Um, um, this podcast is reaching to you from Singapore. Now, Singapore obviously has been ahead of its time. Uh, the founder Lee Kuan Yew of Singapore said that we want Singapore. They want Singapore to be a green and um, a garden city. That was the vision ingrained into the evolution of Singapore. And you can see that in Singapore everywhere. Singapore has building codes which require a certain amount of green when you're building the building, um, when you're developing an area, and, and that shows. And that has many effects and many positive effects on, on, on the city. Um, one, it uh, promotes um, um, a healthy lifestyle. Number two, it promotes, it decreases pollution because plants absorb, plants tend to absorb the excess uh, gases, and, th- and third, um, it helps um, animals to prosper, grow, breed, uh, and that is very, very key. And so these countries are an example of how um, green can be protected sustainably, um, whereas unfortunately in regime, in countries which are unlucky enough to have um uh, people in power such as and this is not a personal critique this is a critique of their policies I have nothing against the names I'm about to mention uh, this is an apolitical podcast um, but purely from an environmental point of view President Trump and his administration in the US and President Bolsonaro in Brazil have a very dark and checkered record of dismantling disavowing um, a climate change science and the um, um, and the uh, and, and the broad consensus which exists that human beings cause exacerbated climate change and that is I mean if you think about it right um, if I have a forest next to my house if I mine that forest without replanting without a certain schedule and if I don't allow the forest to recuperate, Eventually, the forest, the trees are going to be cut down. Forest is going to go. Then what what am I going to cut next? So that is the idea which I don't understand why these folks don't get. Yes, I understand the poverty in Brazil is high. The U.S. is a separate story. I mean, uh, uh, my apologies for my constant critique of this administration. But, uh, for example, I I recall distinctly they allowed... um, the national parks to be mined for oil, if I'm not mistaken. The first time that has happened in a long time, Obama banned that, and Trump <laughs> overturned that ban by an executive order. And so now they can mine for oil in those uh, protected national parks. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. And also the EPA in the U.S. has been slowly uh, dismantling the environmental regimes which existed to protect the environment in terms of how much water can be drawn from the Great Lakes, uh, the amount of lead in your, the amount of um, um, uh, the amount of hard metals which can be in the water which you drink, so on and so forth. They have been slowly dismantling that, and that is, I mean, the 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 tragedy of Flint 
reminds us all that we need strong environmental controls to make sure that our generation and our the coming generations uh, are able to live healthy lives. That, along with all those steps I mentioned and strong environmental policy, is should be the bedrock of every society. Uh, population increase. Population is going to increase. We need to be able to protect this green. This green is an asset, and and if we pursue into existence flora and fauna, uh, the only people who are going to be affected is are us and our children. And I just don't understand how people can exist in an unsustainable manner. Yes, poverty is bad. Yes, hunger is bad. But if you're hungry and you cut down the trees without replanting them, what are you going to do when those trees run out? Who are you going to hunt then? Right? Are you going to resort to cannibalism? Who knows? That That is the thing which pains me. I think that is very evident from my tone. Um, and I think that is a, that requires a, a multi-pronged action on the part of governments, on the part of individuals. Uh, of course, you can make a difference. Uh, and that is the most important thing. Uh, we cannot just sit passively and let the green of this earth die. I think that is one of the most harmful actions. Oh, I'm just one person. I can't change that. I think that is absurd. The green is an asset. I mean, if, if I think about it in a more philosophical sense, human beings evolved, as far as we know, from today's science. We evolved from apes um, and we live in an environment which was green. Uh, and, and without getting into very fine-tuned philosophical detail, we are designed by nature to exist in this environment. Change in this green environment. If we are going to change the environment, we are going to suffer. And one of the other things which I wanted to highlight, given that we live in a very corona this post-COVID or this COVID situation, is when you when a society hunts uh, bushmeat, when a society eats animals laden with viruses, when a society um, has wet markets which uh, sell bushmeat openly, when a society which has uncontrolled logging, that is going to expose us to more viral outbreaks, the hantavirus, the coronavirus, the MERS virus, the SARS virus. These are warning signs and um, warning signs from nature that mankind's irrevocable, irreparable actions are going to have consequences. This, this, if you, um, and, and you can mark my words, today um, is the 9th of May, and you can mark my words, this COVID situation, this COVID pandemic is a drop in the hat of what's next. It's just very minuscule compared to what's coming. If we keep on mining, if we keep on um, uh, pillaging the uh, green assets given to us by nature, we are going to release, and I'll give you an example. So accelerated climate change is obviously causing the ice to melt in Antarctica and the North Pole, which is basically iceless in winter times. And it's making the permafrost melt. Now, the permafrost has gases and viruses and bacteria frozen in time uh, because of the permafrost. When that is melting, guess what's happening? That biological matter is free to integrate into society and wreak havoc. God knows what further viruses are going to escape. Some countries like Russia, 
um, given their long existence in an icy environment, they are averse to stopping any climate change because, hey, they get their north-south passage melts away. They can that's good for them. That's not bad for them. They're not going to stop climate change because. As uh, if you look at a map, you'll see that the north of Russia is all the Antarctic Sea, and before a couple of ten years ago, that was all frozen, and it's called the North-South Passage. If you want to go from uh, uh, Murmansk, which is the eastmost uh, port in the Russian uh, territories, to Vladivostok, which is the westmost port near Japan, you can't do that normally from the North-South Passage because it's frozen. You need icebreakers, uh, but um, because of these melting poles, because of this accelerated climate change, because of the lack of Putin's pol- policies to protect climate change, but rather as an observer and let it happen, the North-South Passage is open most of the year, or at least it is going to be open for most of the year and it's going to become a viable shipping route. And that loss of permafrost, that loss of gas, that loss and escaping of gases from um, those icy landscapes, because who, who is it going to affect us? So, um, I mean, I feel that anything which we can do now is a little bit too late. But, you know, we, we should never give up the good fight. We should always um, uh, fight for, in the end, for ourselves. I think the messaging about climate change has not been very impactful. And that is because this climate change movement builds climate change as, oh, save the earth, let's save the earth. Well, (laughs) I think that is a misleading message and doesn't carry the weight which it needs to carry. Why, you ask? I'll tell you why. Because the earth has always existed and there have been different paradigms which existed on this planet. There used to be there used to be single-celled organisms. There used to be multi-celled organisms. There used to be reptiles, sea creatures. There used to be ice creatures who lived in icy environments. The Earth is not up for saving. The, the, if human beings, if, 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 if tomorrow that was that was my Mac telling me what time it is, thank you for that. So once once this climate change accelerates. The only people, the only living beings is going to affect is us and the flora and fauna of this Earth. The Earth itself as a planet is not going to be affected. It's not going to stop orbiting the sun. So the message which we need to be able to bring to the masses is let's save ourselves. Let's save us and our future generations, not the goddamn Earth. The Earth is not going to go anywhere. The only people who, the only uh, beings affected by climate change, loss of forest, loss of forests, massive deforestation, unsustainable um, growth are going to be us. I mean, we're going to live in a dystopian nightmare and end up eating bugs. I mean, so that message needs to be crafted for the end in mind. The end is our survival, our coexistence with nature. And I feel that is not um, promulgated in the right way. Um, I think that needs to change. Until and unless we do that at the start and then focus on all the other points which I mentioned. I think this is a lost cause. And we're going to see, I'm afraid to say this, but it is the truth. You can mark mark my words. I know it's a very dark message, but this is the truth. 
because of exacerbated climate change, there are going to be more viral bacterial outbreaks, pandemics, and millions will die. And this COVID epidemic right now, we will develop a vaccine for this pathogen, um, and we will get eventually some sort of herd immunity, but then another virus will come along because our behavior hasn't changed. I mean, China, the wet markets are open again, where they have wolf pups and other exotic animals for peacocks, for example, uh, uh, baby mice. God knows what, I, I mean, you can Google that. I don't have to slander the good Chinese people and their eating palate, but um, you can just Google that. Bush meat, wild meat. There's a reason why humans domesticated animals because those domesticated animals did carry, I mean, did carry some pathogens, but we were aware of them because we farmed them. And of course, uncontrolled farming is another issue. Um, I mean, you see this rabbit hole just keeps going deeper and deeper. I mean, farming, I mean, this. and, and another thing I think which comes to mind before I close on today's topic, the other thing which comes to mind is we are farming this planet to no end. We are, I mean, I'm not saying become vegan like me and, and don't eat any meat and don't eat any eggs and don't eat any fish. I mean, ideally, I would urge you to not eat. And I'm going to sound very radical, but this is my opinion and my opinion only, which I'm sharing with you in this podcast, which is, me, I have an aversion to eating meat. Yes, I still eat some meat because my parents program me to eat meat and I'm trying to break that programming one day at a time. But in the end, eating meat is basically eating dead animal carcasses or animal carcasses, cooked animal carcasses. And I have been trying to etch this image into my mind every day, again and again. And slowly I'm becoming averse to each, eating chicken meat, eating, I've not eaten beef in a long time, eating mutton or any other meat. Why? Because I, I'm, every time I see a good burger, I realize, oh crap, um, that, is dead, that is a dead animal there. And, and I think that needs to be um, the, the paradigm of how and what we eat is also very important. Uh, and, that's, and, and having a plant-based diet and the benefits, we can do that for a separate podcast. But I'm just saying, uncontrolled factory farming is number one, is cruel. It's cruel to the animals. And number two is bad for the environment. Uh, beef farming... Uh, causes loads of methane gas to go up in the air every time the animals relieve themselves. Um, um, factory farming also induces lots of stress in the animal, and that stress, of course, uh, releases chemicals in the uh, um, triggers neurotransmitters, and um, that obviously affects the quality of the meat uh, compared to healthy animals, farm-fed animals, grass-fed animals. So the way we consume meat is also unsustainable. And it all comes down to um, three things, I feel. I, I can boil them down to number one, mankind's awareness of um, and love of the green uh, and the danger and, and a philosophical change on how to treat other animals and how to treat 
the, how to treat nature in general. Number two, uh, population control. Um, and that is also an issue. Uh, um, and number three, and most importantly, um, governmental oversight, governmental legislation. Uh, I think without these three, we are doomed. Our future is doomed. And, and we are heading straight for a cliff uh, from which there is no return. Um, I know this sounds like a very dark message. It still rains, it still snows, but I mean, if you, even if you're a climate change denier, you, there is no doubt you can see the climate is changing. The climate has always changed, yes, but if you look at how much carbon we put into this atmosphere, it has increased by a, by a exponential margin because of exacerbated human um, activity. That is undeniable. And if you deny that, then I'm afraid your children and my children are going to suffer. And then we are suffering. This COVID situation, we are suffering. Um, we are going to suffer more um, viral outbreaks, a Hanta virus outbreak, and God knows how many other viruses. I mean, there are hundreds of new viruses which they discover every day because of our patterns of behavior and consumption and uh, environmental damage. We are we are exposing ourselves to risks of further outbreaks, further death and destruction. And I would be, it would be criminal for me not to highlight this. I was never a very, um, I was never an environmentalist, quote unquote. I, 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 I was never of that inclination. I'm a techie guy. I'm a nerd. Uh, I'm into philosophy. I'm into um, finding myself as a person and, the human cause, but it was it is criminal for anybody to look at how patterns of behavior, governance, and existence exist in mankind, so our society today, and that's and to be stay, to stay silent. I think that is criminal. I think it is incumbent on all of us to understand and grasp the severity of the situation and the severity of the lack of inaction on our part to protect our environment, to protect our forests. And, and if we don't do that, we are doomed as species. <laughs> and unfortunately, being the alpha species on this planet, we're going to take the rest um, of the living beings uh, with us off that proverbial and literal cliff. Folks, if you enjoyed this podcast today, please do check out our Telegram channel. Um, just open your Telegram app and search for Singapore Leo Podcast. Alternatively, you can type directly into your browser t.me slash Singapore Leo Podcast. You could also check out us check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash Singapore Leo. That's one word, Singapore Leo. Uh, Thank you, folks, for tuning in today. Uh, We'll have more great content for you in the next episode. Stay safe wherever you are. This is Singapore Leo. I wish you all the best.